from the heart of Los Angeles, this is the online edition of the Life Changes Show. Look at the bright lights. Look at the bright With tonight's guest, environmentalist and policy-oriented social change advocate, Nishad Shafi. And performance guest, Mantra Americana. I am Mark Lejeur, and now our host, the MC, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. I am excited about today's show. I I was trying to, like, as as we bring people together to the Life Changes Show, as we have come together at the Life Changes Show all with our different understandings of the world, all with our different cultures, all with our different desires for ourselves, our families and, and the planet. Uh, it, it, we, we, have, we have created this space where we can have conversations that, that truly matter and that uh, help propel us together as one uh, hopefully, and that is the plan uh, we trust that is happening uh, into, into our future. And so as I was looking at today's guests that have, uh, that have gathered and have wanted to be here, I, I thought, hmm, this is, this is really interesting. How does this come together? <clears throat> well, we have as our guest an environmentalist and policy-oriented social change advocate. Well, interestingly enough, our uh, performance guest is uh, the band Mantra Americana, and they're about culture, they're about collective, they're about uh, bringing cultures together, they're about sharing, uh, well, we'll let them tell you more, but the point in all of this is that I'm making is that I, I, I was bringing it all together in my mind, and then one of our performance guests brought it all home for me by, by saying uh, the following. He said, uh, Filippo, in an email, I, I have had a 20-year career as a solo artist, but now I want to speak to the importance of collaboration and its pleasures and epiphanies. And so he didn't want to come on by himself. He wanted to bring on more people than who are going to be on today. We've got, we've got three of them, but uh, the others weren't available. But uh, already uh, it just shows that the voices are important and necessary, and you'll hear it in the show today, how each of our voice matters and how the voices coming from different cultures and different backgrounds, and also that we are here together with interests in moving things forward for the better of all. I'm excited about that. This is the heart of what Life Changes Network has always been about. I love the, the, the thoughts you shared and the, and the monologue and, and the conversations we're going to have today. But that's the, uh, like in our, our 
latest logo version, the overlapping circles, the connecting the dots, the creative collaboration, you know, the, the movement back to living as our individual notes within this orchestral symphony of oneness mm. and uh, starting to understand how to be unique, but a unique aspect of a much larger musical piece. Nice. Well, at the top of the show, I want to thank uh, contributing producer Allison Goldwyn for introducing us to our interview guest, who is an environmentalist and policy-oriented social change advocate, and so much more. Welcome, Nishad Shafi, to the Life Changes Show. Thank you. Thank you, Philip. It's a great honor uh, to be here along with Mark. Thank you for that gracious introduction. Uh, would love sharing some of my perspectives and experience with you today. Well, and thank you for that. Let's start with with something. You are in Qatar. You are from Qatar. And uh, in America, we don't necessarily know a lot as a culture about the Middle East. And what we do know, at least in the past, before Dubai came uh, into our consciousness, uh, we, we, we knew Petro, uh, the Petro economy, and uh, we saw rubble on TV. And so please help enlighten us more in this new day <laughs> of, of the wonderful aspects that we need to know. Some of them. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, this region is uh, uh, moving away from being a petrol state uh, towards a better environmental based economy, more environmental friendly economy and uh, racing from rebels to one of the big metropolitan cities in the world. So gone are those days. This region has been known for some of the many aspects of the Western world. I think it is now um, uh, our um, responsibility to showcase some of the great things happening, uh, myself from environment perspective, uh, from cultural perspective, how this region is emerging as one of the leaders in both, whether it's culture or environment. Thank you for that. <clears throat> and you've worked with, and you still work with, a lot of youth. And so from the youth perspective, on, on, the, on the one hand, it's, it'd be nice to know that we're all the same. Like at the moment, uh, we have grown up wanting uh, to consume uh, and and to 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 have the latest fashion and to it, it, you know where I'm getting uh, with this conversation. So uh, so if if we are all that, and at the same time, if we all need to potentially change together, what, tell us about the youth of of the Arab world. Well, uh, this is something which um, motivated us uh, many years back, at least should be say five years back, to start the Arab Youth Climate Movement Qatar to really showcase what young people from Qatar or the Arab region are aspiring to see beyond uh, petrofossil economy, beyond all the rebels you mentioned, to a world we aspire to live in prosperity in, in an environment-friendly way. Uh, given that uh, due to the excessive wealth um, accumulated during the uh, petrol era, uh, a lot of wealth came in this part of the world that also changed people's, or especially young people's behavior as well. What, what we are trying to do through our organization is to build that consciousness. See, Arab Youth Climate Movement is uh, working on reawakening the uh, like humanity's consciousness. This is not something we don't know. 
but we lost in all this uh, extraordinary things we got uh, in a very short time. People really went away from uh, reality to uh, a different world. So what we want trying to do is to build that new generation of young people whose minds can be really uh, changed or we can uh, push them because they are the next generation who will be running this country, living here in this part of the world. So we wanted to target them, looking at the behavioral change, how within our ecosystem we can push for that change. Uh, this is very important uh, if you look at the environment perspective. That's why we pushed climate and environment as a top priority for young people, uh, not just because from the um, our consumption of uh, resources, but also the impacts of climate change is very severe in this part of the world, whether you take it, uh, water resource availability, and also local resource. When, when we talk about resource consumption, we need to underline the fact 90% of the, our food and other products come from uh, other countries. 95% mm. are from um, importers because our temperature and weather system doesn't make us easily to cultivate, even with use latest technologies, super expensive, rather than you depend on other countries. So that makes us our consumption habit, if you go at this rate, will not only um, cause economic issues in the coming future, but also excessive waste also is causing environmental degradation. So interlinkage of both this economy and the mindfulness living, we try to you know, um, bring sort of that young people through our community-oriented programs where we talk to them, host them, train them, provide workshops, uh, within our system, uh, when I say our system is how we as a young people in our part of the world look like, we wanted to try to bring a new narrative of how we should live a life and are not exactly uh, copy pasting something from a very Western oriented things may work there, but may not work here. So this is where Arab Youth Climate Movement had its own niche way of doing things, connecting culture, religion and uh, environment together. So Right. Actually, you, you went right where I was going to go. So we, we are connected when you mentioned the food and, and the resources and all that. We are connected to each other, all of us uh, on the planet, and especially in, in regions where certain things are not possible. Uh, and, and yet at the same time, we have different cultures, different religions that are predominant in, in the various countries. So tell us uh, I, I understand this. You can't just copy paste something that's potentially, hopefully, working someplace else. You have to work. Uh, we all have to work with the cultures and the understandings, the belief systems. Uh, and so, how how does Islam uh, work with environmentalism, or environmentalism work with Islam, the, the religion? So, I mean, like every religion, which has been, whether it's Hinduism, Islam, Christianity, all religion had its own uh, way of protecting environment, uh, which is very much um, uh, written or documented in all the manuscripts. Uh, what we as a religious country have forgotten even that part of life. So what we tried was to how interlink Islamic teaching of environment to our daily life. So whether it's some of the verses from Quran, so the experts or theologists who speak about uh, the intersection between environment and Islamism, we try to uh, sort of uh, organize something called eco-literacy program. So ideally the program was uh, very concentrated to mosque, which is where we in Islam, uh, Muslim place of prayer. And the program was called eco-literacy for imams. Imams are the priests at the mosque. So what we tried was to actually use the science of the climate with the preaching and teaching of uh, the Islamic culture, Islamic uh, theology, or Islamic uh, book like Quran and uh, affiliated documents, which has been documented historically, 
to connect with the modern science and showcase to this priest of the mass that why don't you use after the prayer time to talk to disciples who comes to the mosque to a congregation and to talk to them about environment and why we need to be very environment friendly. So this program was um, ideally a way of bringing believers or a, when I should say um, a religiously predominant country like Qatar uh, to talk about the intersection between Islam and environment, how in, in, how um, uh, the Prophet Muhammad, uh, who used to be very mindful of how we should use our resources, those are very well um, documented. We, we try to bring those narratives again to the people that it's not just the prayers you do, everything you do with environment also has to do with your religion, and these are very closely interconnected. So we hosted um, and during Ramadan, the last Ramadan here in Doha, uh, the holy month of Ramadan, we had an expert who came to speak about uh, why Islam was always an environment-friendly religion, like all other religion, and why as Muslims and uh, the followers of Islam really have to bring environment also to the forefront of their day-to-day -day life. So this was the idea of how we connect our religion to our daily life, which also includes being an environment-friendly environment individual. This is something um, I've not much tried. Uh, there are many faiths working on environment. I think recently United Nations Environment Program also do um, acknowledge the power of faith and uh, faith uh, in supporting environment and climate change uh, action. So we, we are looking on that friend, how um, uh, Islam can be that um, you know intersection uh, to be an, uh, to do action. And this is not restricted. Being Qatar is a very interreligious country. We have people from all the faith, and we invite everybody. It's not that we restrict to uh, uh, to people. Open events are for everybody, but the the the, um, the imam training program, which is literacy for imams, are very much uh, close to the mosque. So, you say we need to move into a more conscious society. So, this seems to me that this is one aspect of of making that happen. And what are what are some of the other ways where we could be moving into a conscious society? Well, um, see, making people believe that environmental change would have a devastating impact, uh, if not seen today, which are already seen, uh, nevertheless, I would say, but for people like us who will have to live a life in the next 40, 50 years, unlike my parents or my predecessors, will not be have to face those. So we thought, starting with the community, making them aware that your, your every action matters, and the same time, getting in dialogue with our governments, who are the real policy makers, who are the who makes the changes that are, comes with the highest level of impact. So what we do is at the same time, leveraging the community voices, we tried another arm to work with our governments, closely following up their national climate change negotiations, national climate action plans, national climate adaptation plans and resilience plans. We want to involve our young people because some of the plans they're actually making today is all about us. Our leaders will not be alive or we don't know in the next 30, 40 years. So what we are trying to do is sort of doing the two actions at the same time, building the very strong knowledgeable community, making them consciousness of being a very, um, what do you call, um, uh, environment-friendly citizens of the earth. Because one of the, one of, one of the thematic of... Uh, uh, Islamic uh, thought house is that every human being is a steward of the earth. So we want to build that as a knowledge for our uh, community and people here. At the same time, 
bridging this gap between policy and how community voices should be a part of the narrative of government planning their policies. So we are trying to bridge these two at the same time. And you're using uh, public opinion surveys, you do polls and, and things to find out where where the public is uh, at the moment and where they want to go together? Absolutely. It, it was really, it was one of its kind of first uh, uh, local poll we just done recently. Uh, quite overwhelming numbers are coming in. We are still running the program for a month or so. The idea is to see where are our communities. Obviously, we were targeting more youth because our, our focus was mainly youth in the community. And now we thought we should move one step ahead, bringing all of the community together so that we need to see where are they now. I mean, we have seen a lot of surveys done in the U.S. and uh, uh, people's mind uh, about climate change in the United States, et cetera, et cetera. These were all our inspiration to see where are we as uh, uh, people of uh, Qatar. So we started working on um, uh, building this um um, uh, survey to see uh, where our people and the community and all the residents and citizens of Qatar's uh, beliefs on climate change. So, you, uh, we're going to take a quick break, but but when we come back, I, I would love for you to share with us because you said there are positive things happening uh, that the youth are doing that is not very well that are not very well documented and we'd like to document that so that other people can hear and and learn and at the same time also before we end uh, our conversation a little later I want to make sure we touch on uh, not only that but also, you you mentioned minimal we want to live minimalistically and and so are we looking at potentially living without certain things or is it maybe that we might not need certain things so we'll we'll be having that conversation uh with our guest nishad shafi when we return uh, and continuing that conversation. And then we, later, later, little later on in the show, we're going to have our Ask Dorothy segment. And then we are joined by the band Mantra Americana, all on the Life Changes show right after this. Want to connect with amazing people who are committed to making a difference? From the Heart Tribe is a platform, community, and movement with the purpose of bringing like-minded humans together to help animals and the environment in order to gain a stronger connection and understanding of the world around us. They're dedicated to effectuating positive change by empowering individuals to organize meaningful and engaging experiences that build compassion for animals and the natural environment. Their founders' and members' passion is to inspire others to actively get involved in their homes, their communities, and the world to raise awareness about the issues we face and most of all to be part of the solution. Through their efforts, they have also accomplished some amazing and tangible achievements. Their Pickup for Paradise beach cleanups have collected over 50,000 pieces of foreign debris. And also, thanks to animal rescue and recovery volunteers, over 30% of the volunteers have become vegan or reduced their meat intake. Daily habits make a big difference. Please join any of their upcoming events by going to FTHT.org and signing up for their newsletter. You can also follow on Instagram and Facebook at From the Heart Tribe. Have you felt inspired to meditate but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Phi Beads. 
transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All five beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Phi beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi meditation. Phi meditation helps you harness the power of I am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi beads at phibeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, beads.com. You are listening to A Conversation That Matters on The Life Changes Show. Broadcasting live from the heart of Los Angeles every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Share the journey with us at lifechangesshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life Changes Show. We're back. We're having a conversation with our interview guests, environmentalists and policy-oriented social change advocate from Qatar, uh, Nishad Shafi. And by the way, we know it's, it's, a, it's a time difference. And so thank you for coming on and, uh, and, and sharing with us uh, here in America. You, as, uh, as you, you and I spoke, you shared some interesting things. And, and actually where I want to start is the, the minimalistic part. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? And uh, is that going to be okay? Well, I mean, this is what how young people are feeling at the moment. Uh, the fact was, uh, uh, when it comes to fashion and food, was overconsumption and the waste. Uh, like uh, the clothing we buy was for just a season, and they were thrown into dump. Now people are more understandably not to go for fast fashion and look at uh, uh, ways to give back to community through uh, some government-supported places where you can... Uh, give back some of the clothing so you don't require. And there even we've started having Saturday clothes exchange programs where people can exchange clothes for no money. Uh, people are starting to wow. go more, more vegan. Uh, we have now have more vegan options. Uh, some of the time, like one year, two year back, you cannot even imagine our Fridays or Saturdays uh, without uh, meat consumption because that's something very culturally um, uh, connected to us, you know, having uh, red meats on Friday after our prayers, which is significant our holiday. So that sort of sentiments are changing. And who are leading this? Young people. The younger generation are more eco-conscious what they buy, even traveling, they're up to, uh, offsetting their traveling uh, emissions. This is something young people are trying to build. And, and I think that's the change we see from the region. And these are getting common and common. And I, I can bet uh, 99% are young people who are uh, doing this sort of actions. So you actually answered in part already the question before about the, some of the positive things that the, the youth are doing. And so are they hopeful uh, in your opinion and as you're, you're experiencing them as part of your organization or are, 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 they, are they resentful? Like how are they feeling about these changes? I mean, Philippe, they've been always hopeful. I mean, I'm just telling you some of the um, results which is not yet out from the survey poll. The people are very optimistic. One of our final questions is that, do you think we can combat climate change and live a very sustainable life? 90% of 
of age between 15 to 25 said yes. I mean, this is what I've been seeing through, and I'm just sharing some of the results, which is not yet published. Probably by the time uh, this podcast goes out, the results will be out. So uh, it is predominantly young people who feel they are very, very optimistic about the future in this part of the world. How, how do they feel about America? Well, we didn't have a question on that. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, well, be uh... well, because I'm thinking we're we're all we're all together, right? In this, yeah, and absolutely. so we need to collaborate. So, do they feel like we they can collaborate? Well, obviously, because you're on the show, but uh, that we could do this together. No, no, no. no. We, we partner with many of the young people, youth organizations in the United States. I mean, they're also very hopeful. Some of the results from the United States by some of the study by Pew Center also says that uh, predominantly young people in the United States believe that uh, they can uh, fight for climate action and they're seeing their countries changing towards that. So it's an optimistic view from, from the United States too. And uh, hopefully we will be meeting many of the young people during uh, yeah, UN General Assembly in New York later in September. So we keep collaborating. We look at you know sharing space with our counterpart youth in the United States. And uh, I think both are feeling optimistic. And I mean, that's what young people are all about, you know, very optimistic work for that, you know, optimism doesn't just come because we're working on that. And we feel that positive things will do arrive, even though it's late. Glad to hear that. And so let's talk just a, a couple more things that, that you uh, address so well, energy transition, and, and you already talked a little bit about sustainability issues, but if you want to elaborate more before uh, we're, we, we conclude our conversation, it seems important. Uh, absolutely, uh, uh, Filippo. You would not imagine these countries, which are predominantly petrochemical-based economy, announcing their net zero targets. I mean, out of the five big oil gas countries in the Gulf, uh, have announced their net zero target for 2060, which I personally wouldn't have imagined two years back. It just happened a uh, year, year and a half back. So the countries realize how much important that reducing their emission. Uh, and uh, making sure they have a blueprint for businesses beyond uh, oil and gas. And the, the region really requires a transition to net zero. Uh, this is not just for the business, but also for economic point of view. And they need to change their current business model over the next decade. And they're doing that. I mean, an incremental change in efforts can be seen. I mean, since the UN Climate Summit happened last year in November in uh, Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt, and this year in Dubai in the United, United Arab Emirates, are just uh, some of the glimpses you can see from the region is predominantly not only working towards their emission reduction targets, but also want to be leaders. This is the leadership. And, and I think the region want to be leaders demonstrating their, their greater commitment than usual. Uh, unlike um, in the past, uh, these countries have been always said uh, they are blocking many of the climate discussion because they still want to uh, stay on uh, business as usual or getting uh, you know, the economy running on uh, fossil fuel-based economies. But that has been changing. And uh, the region, regional governments and the businesses are now want to be uh, you know, the leaders in climate action and uh, make sure that uh, their economies uh, survive and they have the just energy transition take place like, like elsewhere. And I think this is something, a huge change from what used to be, from even from government point of view, the mentalities have been completely changed. I think that shows how the region perceives environment and climate impact as severe uh, economic and also impacts on their citizens. So I think moving forward, uh, this realization has given them 
um, a sort of extra power to move an extra mile. And that has been visible in all their recent announcements to uh, increase their renewables, reduce their emissions, net zero targets, etc. Uh, Nishad, thank you for all of that. And and I, I, I'd like to conclude our time together with a, a question that brings us back to the Islamic faith. Uh, is is part of the faith and maybe part of the the mission here that uh, the planet is is a sacred place or given to us by a higher power and and it's it's we we shouldn't destroy it i mean is that part of the faith yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, uh, as a, uh, a believer of Islam, uh, most of the people do understand one of the significant paragraph in the Quran is that every individual is a steward of the planet. I mean, mm. it doesn't specify uh, Muslims or Islam. It said every individual on this planet is a steward, and they have been uh, assigned by the God Himself. So we believe in that, and we push that. Now, definitely, uh, people of Islamic faith, every faith has this responsibility. And we think it is a collective responsibility, and that's why we 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 look at you know uh, being that steward. As a younger generation, we feel we are more obliged to be that steward to save a planet which uh, we will be living in the coming uh, decades. Well, very good. If if you're interested in learning more about Nishad. Shafi, you can go to nishad.com, N-E-E-S-H-A-D.com. And his organization, of which he is the co-founder and executive director, Arab Youth Climate Movement Qatar, you could find information at A-Y-C-M Qatar. That's Q-A-T-A-R.org. And we have those links for uh, Nishad at Life Changes Show uh, on the page there and and more information about him as well. Uh, Nishad, thank you for, for coming on with us and, and sharing. Uh, it It's a pleasure and, and it's been a pleasure getting to know you in the conversations that we've had. And it feels like a part of the world is closer, I hope for all of us. Absolutely, I mean, it's, it's really honored. I mean, thank you for having me here. Uh, it's always good to share the perspective. At the uh, end of the day, we understand the bottom line is we are all connected in this. You know, maybe we are working from other part of the world, uh, known for many other things at the same time. Some of the things we are working is for the common planet. And uh, uh, what better way to connect to a podcast like this? And I think this is a really a good way of connecting to other part of the world. Indeed. And when we spoke, uh, we were talking about whether I'd been to Qatar or not, and and I have not, but it is on one of my lists of, of things to do. So potentially, maybe we'll meet at some point. Thank you so much, Nishad Shafi, for being with us here on the Life Changes Show. Uh, thank you, Filippo. And uh, like we say here, inshallah, we will look forward to see you here in Doha in Qatar. Nice. Thank you. And with that... We have our Ask Dorothy segment. Dear Dorothy, this is Marsha in North Carolina, and I need your help. Long ago, you told me that happiness is a choice, and I want to know how anyone can choose happy in today's world. There is so much drama and trauma going on all over the world, and I am devastated by all of it. Please help me understand how to choose happy under these circumstances. Dear Marsha, yes, there is much trauma and drama all around us. 
This is indeed the time of revelations, and so much hidden truth is being revealed. And once we choose to see that these truths can lead us into making better choices in the future, then we can co-create a new and better world. I urge you to spend more time looking for the good in today's world, as there is so much to be happy about. There are many spiritual groups of people who gather weekly to share the wonderful things that they are involved with. A simple search on the internet will show you many such groups. I found several near you and know that you can find one that resonates with you. If none appeal to you, you can always create one. Gathering with like-minded people who focus on the good will not only assist you in finding happiness, but it will also help you assist others find happiness too. Thank you, Dorothy. And if you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. And we'll be right back with our performance guest, the band Mantra Americana on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition when we come back after this. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and a little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author, Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes Show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening, someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. You are listening to A Conversation That Matters on The Life Changes Show. Broadcasting live from the heart of Los Angeles every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Share the journey with us at lifechangesshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life Changes Show. Continuing the conversation with about uh, c collaboration and culture 
and moving it forward together here we have a performance guest that does that actually it, it's a group called Mantra Americana. And so that's made up of at least the three that we have with us here today. Grammy-nominated recording artist Dave Stringer, percussionist Patrick Ritchie, and American-born Jamaican Puerto Rican singer-songwriter Tulsi Bloom. Welcome all of you and welcome Mantra Americana to the Life Changes Show. Dave, you are uh, one of the ringleaders here. And, and was, I, I, I quoted you at the beginning of the show saying that you've, you've worked solo for, for so many years and you now it's all about collaboration. And in a sense, what we've been talking about on the show, it's like, yeah, we've, we've kind of all gone solo in, in so many ways. Uh, each country has done its own thing and all. And now collectively and culturally we could bring all of the aspects of ourselves into what 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 we want next for our future and for the generations to come and you're building that musically yeah it's in which is really the roots of of kirtan a, a, a method of call and response chanting that, that came out of india really in the 15th century around the same time the reformation was happening in Europe, it's a collaborative process from the from the get go because it involves not a performance per se, but we're getting the audience to respond with us. So it all happens call and response. We sing, and the the crowd sings back. So it blurs the distinction utterly between artist and audience, um, and it's a highly ecstatic form of music that. Um, that basically says that uh, we're all in this together that my ecstasy affects your ecstasy that ecstasy is contagious so when we create an ecstatic ritual this feeling together it radiates out into the world in a big way um even though for 20 years my name was on the poster it was always a collaborative process um, what's happening in real time involves us listening to each other really intently and being influenced by one another i've always said i'm only as good as my drummer and the other musicians around me and so we are you know sometimes people are, you must rehearse all the time and we're like no actually never um, we've just cultivated an intense process of listening to one another and respecting one another's ideas, um, which also changed by what the crowd does. So inherently, our form of music is collaborative. Um, and, uh, and I've always tried to play with musicians that I thought were actually better than me so that I could learn. Um, emphatically, though, this project, Mantra Americana, uh, is collaborative in another way, um, culturally. Um, it's coming out of uh, Indian roots, but it's it's bearing American fruit, essentially. Um, we're all Americans, but we all spent various time in India and in the culture of yoga and yoga philosophy and have been deeply influenced by it. But we're not trying to be Indian. Um, this has become a worldwide cultural phenomena. It, kirtans are happening in living rooms and yoga studios and concert stages really all over the world, but particularly in America. And we have incorporated sounds into it that reflect our, our own experience in the ecstatic uh, vocal and instrumental traditions in America, like gospel and bluegrass. So what you've got are melodies derived from Indian ragas with chord structures and ecstatic harmonies, you know, from, from Americana. Um, so you can call it country and Eastern music if you like, but it's authentic to us. Um, and it represents a real collaboration between 
uh, Indian culture and an American culture. Um, it's not uh, appropriative. Uh, it's an it's it's actually just doing what the music always did from the beginning, incorporating influences in and and uh, and trying to create music that relates to the audience so that you know people will will sing back. Um, it it really speaks to the indwelling presence of love or the divine or consciousness in all. And uh, so in that way, it says that consciousness itself is deeply collaborative, that it's reflective of a, of a big mind. And, and actually, we're going to hear a piece in just a moment uh, from Mantra Americana, but it's going to be from Mantra Americana 2, which is going to be released later this month. So uh, that's exciting. And, and so before we get into that piece, you say it, 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 it's like a series. So Mantra Americana started something and then it evolved into Mantra Americana 2 and we're going to be expecting 3 and, and 4. So tell us about the series before we hear this piece. Well, the, the, the primary collaboration in the inception of this is with the singer uh, Madi Das that um, he and I wrote the songs together. Um, and uh, so there's that collaboration as well. He's the primary singer on the first song that you'll hear. Um, Tulsi and I uh, sing in the quartet of response singers, although I also play a lot of the instruments and uh, Patrick is the architect of the, the grooves underneath it. Um, but uh, the, the song, um, the series is that there's a lot of other voices in this as, as if you call it season, we're in season two now. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, in season three, Madi steps back a little bit into the choir and uh, Tulsi and I step forward uh, and we become the lead singers. Uh, Patrick remains as the groove meister and uh, mastermind of all of that um, throughout. But it allows us also to create a much larger family. There are a lot of people within this sort of larger umbrella of Mantra Americana. And uh, so as the series develops, you'll see more guest artists. Uh, for example, we have uh, Greg Liege, who's a very, very well-known dobro and pedal steel player, uh, who's become part of the band now and there'll be a lot of other people in the future so um the song that you're about to play tom pranam pranamami basically celebrates singing and dancing as the the golden path to experience a consciousness that transcends the body oh well let's experience that so this is the pre-recorded song uh from mantra americana 2 here is Tom Pranamami. We will be hearing a, a, a snippet of it and then uh, we'll be back to talk with Patrick and Tulsi. Let's hear this on the Life Changes show now. <laughs> Tribuvana pavana, kripaya leisam, tampranamami cha, shri sachitanayam. Tampranamami cha, shri sachitanayam. Tampranamami cha, shri sachitanayam. Tampranamami cha, shri sachitanayam. 
it's pretty safe to say that unless somebody has heard Mantra Americana 1, that we haven't heard anything like this before. So congrats to all of you. If you're liking what you're hearing, mantraamericana.org, just like it sounds. And we have other links on the pages for Dave and for Patrick and Tulsi. Now, uh, Dave, when I, or rather Patrick, when I was talking to Dave uh, about the collaborative process in the studio, he said... Yeah if I understood him correctly, it really all begins with the percussions. Tell me about that. Well, it, it really does because the rhythms of India and, you know, eventually the rhythms that we have here um, in the United States and um, in other places that are embracing Indian music, they share a lot in common. And really when you're in, a, in this style of music, uh, it, it is um, very much driven by it's funny, uh, we're talking about how important the drums are, but at, from the drummer's standpoint, um, listening to the melodic um, uh, and, and poetic phrasing, uh, thinking like a singer is, is the way, is the best way to be a drummer in this genre of music, from my opinion. So mm -hmm. it's really um, feeling and listening to the mantra and the way those phrases um, can best support the, uh, the emotion of, of the lyric. So from a drummer standpoint, 
if uh, if you're if you're focused on that, then then that means you're supporting the overall uh, movement of of the piece. So that that's kind of uh, the foundation for, for me. Well, Patrick, interesting when you said thinking like a singer. Before you said singer, I thought you were going to say dancer because I was feeling like, wow, this is a mantra we could dance to. <laughs> Absolutely, and when you when you go to uh, one of our performances or or or, or um, sessions or many other artists in in this genre who are exploring this this type of music, you do see people dancing and just really feeling um, something that you don't get a chance to feel in a lot of other parts of our modern society. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you do see people sitting down cross legged and they're swaying and, and feeling it. It's like they're dancing while they're sitting. So it's it's a it's a definitely a style of music that has historically been influenced by um you know dance has certainly been especially in india um tied to uh the origins of this music and as we start to collaborate and bring in elements of um other musical styles it's it just falls so naturally that uh rhythms that would support dance and other types of of music translate very nicely into uh, into kirtan and mantra americana so so then the 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 rhythms the eastern tabula and and the western drumming come together in this absolutely that's and that's kind of what i consider myself myself to be a specialist in um i studied uh indian classical music for years both in india and in california uh with many master teachers that have um really shared a beautiful part of their tradition with me. And I was coming at that as a jazz drummer uh, and orchestral percussionist playing in orchestras and, and percussion ensembles and exploring, you know, rhythm through many different types of instruments. And I, uh, in college, I got a research grant to go live in India. So while all my friends were off at the beach drinking, I was this, uh, you know, one kid who said, I'll do this research trip and, I'll, and I'm gonna fly to India. Uh, so I spent a summer there and eventually um, met several masters and over the years have been going back to, to glean as much as I can from them. And, um, you know, coming at this for, as a percussionist uh, from a different tradition, really, uh, it's a very humbling process because um, you, you're basically fully trained um, in one tradition and then you're, you're coming at something new and you really have to start um from the beginning and be open to that so you know collaboration is is one of our biggest themes that we talk about and um it's re it really is like learning a language and oftentimes we hear people say oh music is a universal language well it is but you you have to start uh kind of from from what your background is and find and find ways to um to sort of merge elements in that are kind of respectful of each other so that's when I play on one song, if I play tabla and drum set, um, I'm playing tabla like a drum set player, and I play drum set like a tabla player. So it's I'm able to to create that space that's so unique to Indian rhythms uh, to leave space for the for the mantra and for the the poetry and melody. What a great segue to introduce Tulsi uh, to this. Thank you, Patrick, because. Uh, American-born, Jamaican, Puerto Rican singer-songwriter, and now mantra singer. I, I, it, it 
tell us. It sounds fascinating. How how might this have happened, Tulsi? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I know. Where do I start? <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. Um, well, um, I was um, uh, born into the Bhakti Yoga tradition, and which is uh, basically devotional yoga. Uh, so, um, in devotional yoga, yoga, there's a lot of mantra chanting and a lot of uh, mantras to learn. And um, what is mantra? Mantra is something to invoke, you know, a specific mood or sentiment within the mind. Obviously, if, we're pro if I'm practicing it for like, you know, my devotional practice or spiritual practice, um, you know, I'm, you know, chanting for the reason of, you know, you know, evolving, you know, you know, to my higher self and consciousness in that regard. Um, one thing I do want to say about these mantras is that, um, you do not have to know the, it's an ancient Sanskrit language. You do not know, even have to know what it means for it to take effect, um, on the body. Um, different sound frequencies have, um, different effects on the body. This is scientific. It's just science. It's just black and white, <laughs> a fact. Um, and so the, the Sanskrit language also has an effect, um, to, um, elevate our consciousness, raise our consciousness. It's basically like meditating without having to really do the work. <laughs> All you got to do is hear it. And um, that's what's so beautiful about Mantra Americana um, in the sense that like you can just enjoy listening to the mantras while listening to like almost like um, a music that is familiar to you, especially Westerners. Um, to whereas, it, you know, it, it, you know, it's coming from India with, you know, Indian music, um, where it's being presented with Western music now, um, and to be recognized this way, you know, at the Grammys and stuff is really beautiful. Um, you know, for me, this is, you know, my spiritual practice. And so I, um, but I'm also a musician as well. So like, I, you know, I do the same thing. I, I sing it in the temple and I sing it out of the temple. So that's <laughs> kind of what this is. <laughs> yeah. Well, a as Dave was saying, it sounds like this is a series. Well, it's, it's a new genre, I, I, I think. Uh, and so how, how do you see this genre evolving or mantra evolving for us in this country, especially? Wow, um, that is a, a phenomenal question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because for me, it's like it's been around forever, you know. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing. It's like I I just think it's so beautiful. Like the whole band, you know, especially like Dave and Madi, like putting this together and really, um, really just trying to share this with more people because I feel like now more than ever people need solace like people need peace mm. um people need to um you know be able to sit with themselves and not go crazy you know um there's so many things you know um like that can be conjured up in the mind like our thoughts um in, in bhakti yoga tradition it talks about like the three um you know miseries just just by being a human being and this is existence be being the things that, you know, the things that affect us from our environment, the things that affect us from other other people, other um, living entities or animals or whatever, um, and the things that bother us from our own mind, okay? So even our own mind can affect us, you know, depression, this and this and that. So mantra is one of the modalities that can help with this 
tremendously. Um, one of the singers, um, Dave Stringer's um, niece, Ali, you know, she deals with it. Um, she does, um, uh, I guess, you know, uh, occupational therapy for families. And, you know, she uses the chance for therapy, you know, and, and, you know, helping people to, you know, clear their mind and, you know, heal themselves in this way. So mental health, well-being, it's all there, mm. you know? So, I mean, why wouldn't, like, anyone want to experience that? Or, <laughs> why you know, wouldn't uh, participate? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a world, you know, uh, that we we all dwelled in, and, you know, Dave and whatever, for many, many years. And we, we've ex- we, we know because we experience it, you know? And, and, and it's something that... Uh, you know, you're talking about the future. I mean, you know, this is just the beginning, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's like being recognized at the Grammys. Okay. Chant is being recognized. So it's, it's clear that this is doing something for people in a positive way that, mm-hmm. it, that it's being recognized finally. So it's beautiful and I'm excited about it too. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for doing yeah. what you're doing in a positive yeah. way. And now uh, we're going to get you. to hear you uh, take the lead, Tulsi, along with uh, Dave Stringer. And here is a portion of the pre recorded piece. Uh, actually, this isn't even from my. We're going to. This is probably a world premiere, actually, because I think this is part of the album after the one that is coming out. Yeah, this so, is from uh, Series 3, I guess. Series 3. Okay. Well, this is exciting. Well, here never heard before on radio here is uh, a portion of the mantra americana performing bhagav bhagavati, bhagavati saraswati. saraswati uh it briefly it refers to uh saraswati is is it refers to like how creative processes begin how does something come out of nothing how is there a world at all Yoga says all is consciousness and all arises from consciousness and returns to it. So um, that's not something to believe. It's something that we hope that in listening to this music or participating in it, you can experience. And we're going to experience it right now. Bhagavati Sarasvati on the Life Changes show.
Chelsea, you just couldn't help yourself, huh? You just... I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize it was on You got to sing like, along. <laughs> oh, my God. Oops. Oh, no. Did I, like, that was precious. Me? That was precious. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, Mantra Americana. Find them at mantraamericana.org. Uh, with a big thank you to Dave Stringer, Patrick Ritchie, and Tulsi Bloom for bringing this music and bringing this music to the Life Changes show. Thank you so much. I understand a couple of you are in uh, Los Angeles, and when I'm there, I look forward to getting to connect and seeing you all perform live. Uh, hopefully soon. Um, Grammy season is upon us, so uh, we're starting to put together some some shows and uh especially in the next year we'll be out in about quite a bit so very good well with that a big thank you again to mantra americana dave stringer patrick ritchie and tulsi bloom and all the best to you all and a big thank you once again to nishad shafi and all the best to him and that is our show on behalf of our executive producer dorothy lee donahue and our executive producer and co-host mark leisure i am your host filippo voltaggio reminding you that as your life changes like ours surely did tonight we're here for you ciao everyone You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time 
and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at The Life Changes Show, and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes.